right when you don't know what to do just keep on breathing from the city of angels in los angeles welcome to all my listeners out there in radio land i'm dave the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com along with my lovely co-host former mayor of a california beach town and best-selling author of the happiest corruption sleaze lies and suicide that almost rhymes in a california beach town debbie peterson who's um where do you live, Debbie? Do you still live in Grover uh, Beach? My goodness. I still live in beautiful they, they downtown didn't run you out, Grover they, Beach. They didn't run you out of town, huh? No, they tried. <laughs> You're a brave lady. Anyway, we are coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio. I mean, the list goes on. I don't want to bore you. In fact, we are voted, and we are proud to be voted, number one podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Epilepsy advocate and author of Vivian's Reign, My Daughter's Battle with Epilepsy. Mike Knox is a father and caregiver to a child who has drug-resistant epilepsy. And he's, he's passionate about reducing the stigma surrounding epilepsy. He's also a producer, artist, and a stand-up comedian, if that wasn't enough. <laughs> but before we get started, I want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, Brooke Ellison, author of Look Both Ways, and her caregiver mom, Jean Ellison. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews, including this one, on our membership website, caregiverdave.com or any of the other 26 global audio and video platforms that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Mike, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the Caregiver Dave Show. Thank you. Happy to be here. And I always like to ask my guests just who is Mike Knox and why was he placed on this earth? I don't, still trying to figure that out, but I think that I was placed on this earth to take care of my daughter. And I believe that that's uh, what a lot of us in this world is focus on your family. So I'm assuming because you said uh, drug resistant that there are different kinds of epilepsy, drug resistant and non-drug resistant. Can you explain that? Because I always thought all epilepsy was uh, was helped by drugs. Sure, there's many people where the drug does help them. Uh, if they maintain the drug, then they're fine. But there's other people like my daughter who she went through many medications that failed. And so that is when we were presented with VNS therapy, which is the biggest nerve stimulator. Mm. So it's not a pill or drugs. It's a device. Yes. It's a, it's an implant. It's near your heart. It's like a pacemaker for your brain and it attaches to your vagus nerve and sends electronic impulses to your brain. See, I'm old enough to remember the very first time I ever heard the word epilepsy. I was just a child <laughs> And uh, I was watching Dr. Kildare on on television, if you remember that. And um, there was a very beautiful actress, and I can't even remember her name now. But uh, 
he was like falling in love with her, but she had these seizures every now and then. And, and it was such a drama. And, and I know not only me, but a lot of people, that was their first introduction to the word epilepsy. And, and uh, what what is the stigma, as you put it, that comes with epilepsy that uh, maybe doesn't come with other um, disorders? Well, for me, it's the the joking and the imitating of seizures where there's a lot of uh, YouTube videos, videos on social media where kids are, are uh, pretending to, to have seizures. That was happening at my child's school where the children would fall down in front of my daughter and basically bullying her. Uh, you oh, have wow. there's, no, there, there's comedians. I no idea. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I didn't either. It was it was all new to me, and it was just all like very overwhelming to completely seeing things on the internet that were completely out of my control. And all these children had phones in their hands, and they're all making fun of my child, but they don't know any different. And it is just comes down to education. So I, my wife and I would go to the, the schools. The schools weren't required, and still aren't required to do anything. And it would be my wife and I sitting down to talk to the children. Some very resistant. A lot of the schools. Uh, so there are no laws in place um, for epilepsy. It's, Did you it's, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's crazy that the schools will spend all this energy and money on things that really don't matter. And then the things that really do matter, they turn a blind eye. It's just incredible. What were you going to say, Deb? Well, I, I wondered. I, my son had was ADHD, and mm. we found he needed what they called a wiggle cushion um, to keep him... <laughs> occupied enough that that he didn't disrupt the whole classroom and the teacher was wonderful because she just basically said to the classroom okay johnny has a wiggle so for johnny we need a wiggle cushion this is how <laughs> we help him and then every you know that was it there was no more talk about it and i just wondered if you ever had an opportunity to i used to write a note to the teachers every year and explain the behaviors that they might not understand um i wondered if that was ever something that you found helpful for other people or for you Oh, yeah, I, I would. I mean, I spent six years just every morning walking her to class, waiting a couple hours in her class, picking her up, making talking to teachers, talking to administrators, yard duty. I would find her having a seizure on the yard. And a, a lot of the information that the schools had was it's no big deal. You know, it's just like she was sleeping. She's just lazy. So and again, it was it was educating these teachers. And so uh, that's what my wife and I would do is we would have a packet of, of papers and we would bring them and to always talk before she had a new class or a new school and got a lot of resistance from it. Got this couple schools didn't want to carry her medication, her life saving rescue medications they refused to have on campus. Um, so I was just going up against so much resistance. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, it is. I didn't, not all teachers were <clears throat> real receptive, but there were some who actually thanked me for educating them. So I'm hoping that the more this kind of stuff goes on, the better teachers will be able to respond. And I would, I would, I, she had some great teachers. You just, as a parent, focus on the bad teachers and you're just um, trying to get them to see your point of view because a lot of you know, a lot of the teachers or staff didn't think that it was that big of a deal. How old is she now? She's 16. 16. And I'm assuming things have gotten better with bullying in school and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's in a new school. She's on her second battery for her VNS therapy. She's been six years, three months seizure free. Um, she's getting straight A's. That doesn't really matter. But if you looked at, I mean, in, Second grade, we were told by her doctor that she's never going to pr progress and basically just writing writing her off and saying, well, you should probably wow. 
plan for the funeral of your child. So it was very heartbreaking for me and my wife and um, watching your child deteriorate and watching my child at school where she couldn't remember anything. I would go to the teachers and say, hey, she just had a seizure yesterday. Well, she's just not applying herself. Because again, there was nothing, no policy in place that that would allow my daughter to have extra time. There's a, other disabilities that are in place, but not for epilepsy. Well, so how often were these uh, epileptic seizures uh, when she was younger and now today? So she had her first one at the age of two. So from the age of wow. two to eight, um, it was all the time, but she would have one huge one, which was like, like a grand mall where she'd be hospitalized. Um, she flatlined one time. She went into cardiac arrest another time. So they were they were very life threatening seizures that required domestic a rescue medication that we didn't have and wasn't offered. It wasn't on the market. We had to go to a hospital. A few times we went to the hospital, or a few times with paramedics where they, oh, she's not having a seizure. I know, I know what it is. You don't. And I, you're watching in horror your child having a seizure for an hour in the hospital in the safe, thinking it's the safest place in the world. Um, so she's in a far better place. The recovery is completely different with uh, her VNS. If she were to have one, um, it's pretty much instantaneous where it would take her two weeks to recover before, you know, she'd have mind fog, anxiety, depression, all the things that go along with a, a kind of a mental illness. Wow. And these were doctors who couldn't recognize what a seizure was, you're saying? Yes. Yes. And I, I, there's such a stigma and I never knew anything I just assumed that this was something that was taken care of and uh, hospitals follow policies. And so a lot of those policies are their old policies and it's kind of an old world medicine and there are great advances in epilepsy, but it's also, uh, it, you know, it, it lacks in funding. And so a lot of, you know, doctors, offices, hospitals, they're, they're more focused on uh, other issues than they are with epilepsy. So I'm sure you've done research and you uh, kind of understand what causes a, a seizure and how your daughter's seizures are different from the traditional seizures that we uh, hear more about. Yes. Yeah, so she had a fetal stroke in vitro and pretty much her brain didn't form the right way. So when you did an MRI, you could see that there are seizures coming from uh, four different areas. So she wasn't a candidate for brain surgery. That's why she was a candidate and it worked out for VNS therapy, which we went to a doctor for five years who never mentioned it. And I never knew that it existed. And uh, so that took me a while to get over also like that. She could have probably had this instead of at the age of eight, she could have gotten that way earlier. So sorry. Wow. This sounds, sounds like it's almost um, a better solution than medications. It sounds like it's really, really worked for her. It's it's been phenomenal, and that's why I try to talk to anybody that I can about it. It's been VNS has been around uh, over twenty years. You've got uh, one hundred and twenty five thousand adults, uh, thirty five thousand children. I meet parents all the time. I meet family members all the time that have never heard of it. It was never mentioned. Uh, you know, different uh, other things were never mentioned, but. Uh, it's not a cure, but for my daughter, it's come very close. And it's just a total game changer, totally changed her life uh, for the better. And she's just a happy 16-year-old now that looks forward to getting her driver's license. And <laughs> Well, I mean, that's another issue. Um, my wife had one seizure, and they immediately took her license away. So how does that uh, correspond with what's going on? And does this device, which I want you to tell me what VNS stands for again. If you did, I forgot. Uh, does this device work with all kinds of uh, seizures? 
vagus nerve stimulator. Uh, it does work with all types of seizures. Mainly my daughter was having uh, partial focal seizures. Uh, and so she would have them in her sleep. And so it was very hard a lot of times where my wife and I would watch her all night long. I mean, our, our life was watching her through the night. Sometimes she wouldn't sleep. She wouldn't sleep for a couple of days. She had mass ins insomnia. Uh, sometimes she would crash and sleep, then have a seizure. Uh, she would be awake and talking and saying that she wasn't having a seizure. It was almost like it, that something else had taken over in her body to say, no, I'm fine. I'm going to go back to sleep. When we knew that she was having a seizure. Wow. Um, so very uh, strange. Uh, and there are so many different types of seizures. It is a lot to, uh, taking in a process, but we kind of narrowed it down. We were, we were, my wife and I would write down uh, everything that we could kind of put stuff together. And we realized mainly it's at night, mainly it's out of her sleep. And that's the great thing with VNS is it comes with a magnet. So you can swipe that magnet when they're sleeping, they won't know anything and it'll basically catch a seizure or override a seizure. Uh, and that was also phenomenal also because then we could stop the seizure before it happened. Wow. That's amazing. I, I have to commend you for not letting anyone tell you that you couldn't help your daughter and that she couldn't achieve anything. I I was told when my son was six that with his brain, he'd never be able to ski. And my response, and my family loves to ski. And my response to the doctors was, well, I'm sure glad you didn't tell me that when I put him on skis <laughs> at 18 months. And uh, he skis, you know, finally, I had to pick him up until he was eight. He couldn't gather himself mm. to stand up once he'd fallen down but after eight all of a sudden by the time he was 12 he his brain had figured it out and he was skiing roaring down black runs at high speed with a helmet thankfully so i you know i i, I think that's possibly one of the most useful pieces of advice you've brought to us today and that is don't let anybody tell you what people can't do mm. and you know our our audience are burned out caregivers um well, tell me about your caregiver journey. Let's talk about you for a moment and, you know, how you went through burnout or I'm assuming you did. <laughs> and and how did you get to the place you are today, which I'm assuming is a healthy, happy caregiver? Correct me if I'm wrong. That, you're absolutely right. I, I, I'm thankful every day that, I mean, for six years, I didn't, I, I didn't, I never got eight hours of sleep. So when I can get eight hours of sleep and wake up, I'm so thankful about that because our life was just focused on my daughter and waiting for that next seizure. Uh, and it was debilitating because you couldn't, you're planning to just go to the store to get groceries and she'd have a seizure and you'd have to call the ambulance and you go to the hospital and you, it's just like Groundhog's Day over and over again. And I just realized that if I can write this down and I can take it day by day and just I can't, it's, it was overwhelming. So I couldn't take everything all at once. And a lot of things that are overwhelming is you're very alone and you're very isolated and you're abandoned by a lot of family members and um, friends. They all say that they're there to support you, but they're not. And so if you can find that support group and, and you can find something, a little bit of something to have hope. And that was what I always wanted. I always wanted empathy from somebody and I wanted hope. And we so we changed. We did a lot of our own research. we we would change doctors, we changed hospitals, and that wouldn't have been possible if we had just listened to this renowned doctor that we went to that was supposed to know everything, and he was completely wrong. But if we had stayed there and listened to everything that he had had to say, we wouldn't be where we are today. So that's my advice to uh, other parents and caregivers is always ask those questions, always get a second opinion. I, I We were at the doctor yesterday and the doctor was not happy. This was a different doctor, but not happy that we had asked for a second opinion. So a lot of people's egos get in the way 
and you just have to you have to fight for your uh, what you what you think is right and what you a lot of it is a fight. It's a fight to get through the system of the Medicare system, medical system and and trying to get what you think is is right for your child. Um, so you talk about friends and family. Uh, is it because of um, just ignorance and and the awkwardness that they just don't know? how to act or respond or, or communicate? Yes. I don't, I don't, I not, not anything against any family or friends, but it really mm-hmm. is. They don't know how to approach you or how to say anything. So it's just, you're, you're hearing silence or you're hearing like, they don't, under, well, I, they, I don't understand why you can't travel four hours in the car. Well, that would be something that would cause my daughter to have a seizure because of motion. So, mm-hmm. and, Nobody would understand that. Nobody got that. They couldn't. Well, what do you mean she doesn't like Disneyland? Well, roller coaster scares her to death and she has a seizure. So the the things that we take for granted or the things that people are doing normally in their lives, they think that you're strange for wanting to stay home. I just wanted to stay home for her safety. Like, I don't want, I did for a long period of time, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, except for watching TV because I was just so focused on that seizure and keeping her safe because they were so life threatening. Well, and how has this affected your marriage? My marriage is great. I've been married 20, can I remember 20 years, over 20 years. Uh, I've been with my wife over 23 years. So both of you are very supportive. You know, usually when there's a problem, a lot of times one spouse says, you know what, I can't handle this. I'm glad you can. I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this. And uh, so you're very fortunate in that. I was at an abilities expo, a lot of uh, children's diseases, spina bifida, um, Down syndrome, et cetera. And, you know, the, the parents were just plugging along, you know, silent heroes, just doing what they have to do, whatever it took. But uh, th- those were the lucky ones. The unlucky ones were the ones who did not have a spouse anymore that they just took off. And now they're a single parent with, you know, a special needs child. Very, very rough, very, very rough. So it looks like you got a, a great wife there. <laughs> I, I do. And she has fought for my daughter uh, and was do things that I couldn't do. So we were a, a great team and still are a great team. Uh, and I do see how it breaks up a family. But to me, it was I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's just to me, it's humbled my life. Yeah. You know, I tell caregivers all the time um, not to vent to their friends and family uh, because you will become isolated. You know, they don't want to hear what a rough day you had and what a rotten week and, and how hard things are. Uh, find a support group and vent to them. I mean, that's their purpose. Try to keep those relationships going with friends and family, you know, so that you can not be isolated, go out to lunch, uh, do all the things you did before, if possible. But, uh, were you tempted at times to kind of vent to the to the wrong kind of people, friends and family? Oh yeah, my, I mean, my one thing was, you know, I had to go to work. My wife and I both had to work, and it, it interrupts everything. And your your office does not understand it, does not care. And so I realized real soon, don't ever, don't mention any of this. Just go in your car and sleep <laughs> at lunchtime. Nobody, your boss doesn't care. Your coworkers don't care. They're not your friends. Wow. Uh, they might, you know, listen to you complain, but they don't care. And I, I learned that very early on. Well, so uh, your daughter, I'm, I'm assuming, has a sweet personality and, and is likable, is po- uh, popular, despite uh, having epilepsy? Uh, yeah, or, I just think... Or does she struggle with all that? She did with her epilepsy, and the main reason was she just couldn't 
think. I mean, she just had a complete brain brain fog. I would find her at school just sitting on a bench in a daze. She didn't know who anybody was. So she does, she has friends. I just think the dynamics of school have changed uh, so much yeah. from when I was younger. It's most kids, they're not, I mean, I was at her age out all night long and she just likes to be at home. And, you know, her, her uh, iPad is her friend best friend she has many friends but she just she really enjoys learning because i never did and she really enjoys i mean she's getting an a in math where i never got near that uh, and she's just thriving in school so and then another thing about her she never asks for anything i that i always stop and and uh, ponder on that i asked for so much stuff when i was a kid and she really doesn't ask for anything she just is very content um, and very thankful that she's not having seizures anymore. Well, well, let's, let's talk about your book. Uh, what's the name of it again? Vivian's Reign. And how'd you come up with that title? What does it mean? So I, I looked at it a, a lot as like, she was in her own little storm, like it was raining. Uh, she had said that to me a few times. It, it feels like it's raining inside of my head. Uh, she couldn't get the noise out of her head. She couldn't get the thoughts out of her head. Um, so that was the the title of the book, and it's her bat, her battle with epilepsy. And the reason that I wrote it is uh, she had so much memory loss. I just wanted her to have a record of what happened, and I wanted her to know that her parents fought for her. And I also wanted um, other parents to know if they wanted to read it. There is. I felt so. I didn't know anybody that had epilepsy. We knew nobody. Now we know families that do through this journey, but. In the beginning, I didn't know anybody. So if that book can at least help somebody, or I know nobody really reads anymore, but um, if they did, if that helps somebody just to have the book, I just, I felt so alone. Um, and hopefully somebody else will see that and that'll give them a little bit yeah. of peace. Well, there's always Audible too. Is it on Audible yet? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Debbie, got anything to uh, add? No, I'm just, I just think you're all such lucky people. It, it seems like a funny thing to say, but there's so much love there and support there. And then so much victory. Um, what a, what a wonderful story and good luck. And I'm, I have a lot of friends with, sounds a weird thing to say, but I have a couple of best friends from very early days who had epilepsy. So I had a little bit, a little bit more exposure, but I appreciate everything you've told us today. So can the, can the book help those who have nothing to do with epilepsy, but, uh, you know, maybe can get an education uh, of how to act around someone who has epilepsy. And can it also help someone who has epilepsy or the parent of someone? I mean, is it a multifaceted uh, help book for all kinds of different people involved and not involved? Yeah, so a lot of it was just uh, family focusing on uh, one of the big things was healthcare. I knew nothing. I really didn't uh, I mean, before this all happened, things were going great, and I really didn't have a care in the world. So it really did derail everything. And then you're trying to figure, like, I don't, I don't know where the hospital is. I never had to go except when she was born. Uh, so navigating that, navigating uh, family and friends, uh, just living, living every day with a, a sick child, or just um, basically being a father um, is the way I looked at it. Mm. Well, you're obviously very passionate about uh, epilepsy awareness. What is your strategy? I mean, how, besides going on shows like this and uh, writing a book, what else is planned for you and your daughter? 
My main focus right now is to pass a law for law enforcement firefighters to be educated with epilepsy. Uh, a law was just passed. I, I, I worked a little bit with, with it. It took about five years, but it was to that teachers needed to be educated on mm -hmm. epilepsy just to be able to identify what a seizure is. Because before that, there was absolutely no law in the state of California. A lot of states don't eat, don't have any laws either. So I'm focusing on California. I was... Uh, I'm a retired law enforcement. We never taught any of that. I would meet um, when I would meet uh, my clients out on in the street. It would sometimes take them months or years to tell me that they had epilepsy or they had seizures because there is a stigma and they're so afraid to talk about it. And the court system does not treat anybody that has epilepsy. They just kind of laugh at them and they say, well, you're mentally ill and throw them in jail throw them in prison. They're not treated. Yeah. And I saw that all the time. And that was heartbreaking to me. And I'm hoping that a law will at least wake people up. Um, also wake people up that in the, um, I'm, I'm a comedian and I still see stand-up comedians making fun <laughs> of seizures and making fun of epilepsy. Well, and it's like out of control. It's like one of the last, it seems like the last thing that people think that it's okay to make fun of. And so I'm there to tell them that it's not. So do you, um, do your comic uh, stuff for a living or is that a hobby or? Yeah, uh, since I am retired, it's my, yeah, it's my living right now. <laughs> my main goal though, is just to educate. And it's a great way to educate. I can, I have, I'm, I hold captive people in a comedy club and they have to listen to me. Uh, and it's a great way to show your vulnerability and it, it's a great way to educate people. Did you work up a routine to educate people about epilepsy in your in your comedy routine? Yes, I do. And it's not making fun of epilepsy. It's just uh, educating the audience on epilepsy. Because but again, I'm assuming it's funny, though. Oh, yeah, it has to be. I mean, it has to be. Sure. <laughs> I'd love to hear. Where are you playing? Where can we go and hear you? <laughs> um, usually at the Ice House or the comedy oh. store. Um, and I will let you know. Yeah, please do. Because we're, we're all local. Are, are they available on YouTube? Yes, I, I have on my YouTube channel. Um, and a lot of it, it's just now it's picking back up. But because of COVID, a lot of the clubs were closed. And so mm. it's good to see comedy back. And I think people need that. And that is another thing. People need humor. They need to laugh. And because things seem so out of control and dysfunctional. And it is, yeah. it is laugh about it. Everybody says I'm funny. So I had an opportunity. Um, we were having a dinner uh, at an event at the um, Harvard Club of New York, and they said, uh, "Why don't you stand up and just um, do like uh, you know a, a joke or something like that?" And I thought about it. And I says, "You know, this is my opportunity. I, my my bucket list." I went home and I came up with four minutes of jokes on the internet that, that I didn't just smile or chuckle at. That I I was hard laughing. And so I put them all together, weaved a story around it, and I actually have a video of a four-minute comedy set that I did at the Harvard Club, and I'm very proud of it. Probably not do it again because there's nothing more fearful and scary than standing up in front of a room of people and hoping that they laugh at you. <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying, but good for you. Uh, um, DMV, let's talk about that because I don't, I don't remember you answering the question about her driver's license because they – they're real strict about, uh, like I says, they just took my wife's license. She only had one stroke. She had her stroke 27 years ago, and it was the first month of the stroke, and she's never had one since. 
Now, I'm not sure I want her to drive because, you know, she's still paralyzed on one side, et cetera. And, uh, but for a long time, she wanted to get a license again. And I was just hoping she'd forget about it. But how, how do they, have they changed their philosophy on, on uh, seizures? The MV. You're right. They're very bad at it. <laughs> and it's a very old uh, law and it is slowly changing though. And so, uh, and I have looked into it and she's, she'll be okay. Cause she hasn't had a seizure in six years. So she, okay. she'll be okay. And you can also show, you can get a doctor's note that says, yeah, well, I think that that will allow her to get a license. Uh, it might be like four or five years. I can't remember exactly, but uh, if you can prove that you haven't had one in a certain period of time, then they're okay with it, you know. So that's good. She'll have fun driving. It'll give her independence and freedom. Um, what um, Before we sign off, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover yet? I, I would just like to say if there's anybody out there that uh, feels hopeless like I did, uh, talk to your doctor. Definitely ask your doctor about um, VNS therapy, and you can always – find out information with uh, vnstherapy.com. And the the reason that I talk about VNS and I love talking about VNS is they, it really is the an organization that cares about families. And there are a lot of organizations that don't care. And I found that the, the VNS community is, is great. And they're, uh, you know, so willing to talk and there's always somebody, there was somebody there to guide us through. I mean, there was actually a rep there that, mm was there when my daughter had her implant implanted, which to me was, I mean, you had a care team with you, which I never had before. And so that's why I always, again, tell to parents, talk to your doctor about BNS. Well, well, I learned a lot today. Can't believe how fast our time has gone. Uh, So people can uh, contact you how, if they want to get the book, I'm sure the book's on Amazon, or let's say they just want to pick your brain, talk to you. How can they get a hold of you? Sure, you can uh, contact me, MikeKnox.com, or I'm on any platform, which is Mike Knox Comedy. <laughs> Very good. And I'll be checking you out on YouTube, Mike Knox Comedy. Debbie, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Pick your brain, uh, read your book. Debbie, yeah, similar, DebbiePeterson.com. And there's a lot there that will help folks know how to advocate with uh, with government agencies, uh, which is important in, in these situations. Yes. You two should uh, connect with each other. I, Debbie can be very helpful in learning the political ins and outs of uh, getting bills passed, right? To some extent. To some extent. Yeah. <laughs> at least in Grover Beach. Yeah. But the principles of how to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, and... I'm at caregiverdave.com, and uh, my number one newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, is spreading wisdom all over the world, and it's available wherever books are sold, and also my free membership website, caregiverdave.com. And if you join my caregiver, uh, my Facebook caregiver community of Caregiver Dave, it's uh, 34,000 caregivers strong. You'll learn all about my Acapulco Villa Careless, Careless, Caregiver Wellness Retreat and Vacation Offer. Uh, you know, 30% of caregivers actually burn out and die before their loved ones do. And we're trying to keep as many of those guys as alive as possible by sending them away to Acapulco after a uh, huge training and uh, mastermind group. So uh, if you're listening to this and you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening, it really helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. So thanks again to all my listeners out there all over the world tuning in every Wednesday and 
making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Dave Nassani, otherwise known as Caregiver Dave. And I'm coming to you live from this beautiful Acapulco Villa, which I like to say is the perfect prescription for caregiver burnout. And I have a unique opportunity to bring 14 burned-out caregivers up here so that they can decompress and do all the things that they need to do. But this is just a bonus. It actually comes with the six-month Zoom coaching program. It's a one-on-one consult with me, Caregiver Dave, to identify where you are and where you need to go. It's six monthly small group coaching sessions to smash any obstacles between you and your ideal vision of what a caregiver needs to be and caregiver success. You get my three free books and instructions on boundaries, grief, self-care, organization, asking for help, learning how to say no, avoiding burnout, avoiding depression, avoiding perfectionism, avoiding isolation, avoiding resentment, delegation, team building, how to have fun, how to have no guilt, the importance of gratitude, and after caregiving when you're no longer a caregiver. But this seven-day bonus is absolutely free. It comes with the coaching program that you pay for. And the food is all-inclusive. I'm telling you, seven days and seven nights here is amazing. This is truly paradise. And I highly recommend it. For more information, go to caregiverdave.com. That's going to send you to my other website. And if you want a shortcut to get there immediately, just go to acapocodave.com. Thanks again. I look forward to seeing you in Acapulco. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. 